You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, welcome to the show. Wednesday, it's the third day of the brand new year, 2024. Matt and Lars, Wyatt Fulton is at the helm as we bring you this show. Brought to you by Haley Sensing. Union Home Mortgage. Coming up uh, in just a few minutes, we'll uh, we'll go south, if that's where he is today, wherever, uh, perhaps to the Mobile area. But Mick Gillespie will be joining us to talk about uh, a lot of things Alabama. And the second hour, uh, one of our favorites, as is Mick Gillespie, uh, Steve Irvine will join us to talk about several things, uh, including UAB, who won last night. So did Auburn in basketball. And as we shift away... From the national championship focus on Alabama, we will uh, start looking at, at basketball because this Alabama basketball team has uh, it has the talent, certainly has the coaching uh, to make some waves. They just need to be able to get a little bit more consistent. I believe they open uh, at Vanderbilt later this week. But what is significant about January 3rd in Alabama football history? Well, Today is January 3rd, 2024. January 3rd, 2007. That is the day that Nick Saban got kissed right on the mouth at Tuscaloosa Airport as he was hired as the head coach at the University of Alabama. Mal Moore was uh, just absolutely more than instrumental uh, in getting Saban to, to Tuscaloosa from Miami. And I know it's old and cliche, but uh, Wyatt, you might, you were probably a young child, but yep. from January third, twenty seven two zero zero seven, it's cliche to say, but the rest is history. Look what the man has done, Wyatt. That that might go down as one of the best. Hi- I, I think that might be the best hire in in college athletics history not even just the university of alabama that that might be one of the best hires of all time at any college program and i was so young i mean it was january 2007 i was five years old when he was hired and i'm now a full-time graduate student full-time employee and you know been following it since it since he since he got here i don't think we'll really stop and think what if but you know Word was back then that Rich Rodriguez was going to be the next head coach at the University of Alabama, but uh, didn't he turn the job changed. down? Yeah, he uh, he did, and you know he's been on our show many times as he led Jacksonville State to a bowl appearance and a bowl victory this year, first ever for the Gamecocks. But uh, yeah, and he openly admits and see, yeah, I'm the dummy that uh, turned down the job at the University of Alabama. But and no no offense to Rich Rodriguez, who's been very very generous with his time on this show. But uh, uh, I think most Alabama fans would say they're glad he turned it down <laughs> because Nick Saban two years later was winning a national championship. I don't is, I don't know if he's listening right now, but but Coach Coach Rodriguez, you know, I'm sure you would have been great here, but but man, Coach Saban's been something else. And ever since then, he has won a national championship at least every three years. And this is the first patch of time since the 2020 national championship where Alabama just mopped the floor with everybody the COVID year. Uh, Mac Jones just went absolutely crazy. Um, Alabama has not won a national championship since then, and that's rare. 
And then I hear this fodder, I'm sure you do, Wyatt, uh, about how much longer Nick Saban is going to stay around. Mm -hmm. And he says he's going to stay around until he is no longer an asset. He says he does not want to be a liability. Right now, I don't see that. He's going to coach several more years, in Matt's opinion. What about you? I, I agree. I mean, you know, he he said it in 2020. Remember, he missed that Iron Bowl because he tested positive with COVID. He said it during 2020. He said, I don't find enjoyment just sitting here watching this. He said, I went absolutely crazy sitting at home all week. He said, I'm nowhere near close to retirement. And, you know, I, I get it. It's 2024 now. We're four years after that. But he hasn't i mean this season people are saying is his best coaching job he's ever had you know he he took a team that had you asked me had you asked any of our producers our show hosts i mean they none of them would have put us in the in the in the college football playoff none of them would have put us in the sec championship after watching that texas and that usf game so you know to turn around like that and and make this season what it was a college football playoff appearance the 30th sec title in school history just hats off to coach saban and that staff this was their best coaching job i've ever seen i agree and i, I think nick saban has certainly hinted at that if not just come out and said hey I know he enjoyed coaching this year, and, and one of the reasons is because he he really had to kind of go back to bases. And, you know, he's always working out with defensive backs. Those are the times we've actually been able to get onto the practice field. He always works one-on-one -on -one with them. Mm -hmm. But um, he coached, and his assistants, who were almost all brand new, they had, man, they had to coach. And we talk about how much improvement the team made on the field as players, but I think this staff, uh, with Tommy Reese, particularly on offense, I think they grew alongside the actual players, and so did Nick Saban. So it's it's the future is yeah. bright for the Crimson Tide, and they've got a what a number two recruiting class. I don't see Nick going anywhere, and I don't see Alabama going anywhere in the national picture. I I agree. Number two recruiting class got a couple other. You know, wait this this next month we could hit. Two more recruits this week, and then next month we could hit another one potentially in a wide receiver, Ryan Williams. I mean, it's, yeah. they're not slowing down. They're, they're hitting the ground running, and, you know, I, I like to, I like to find a little bit of a positive light in any situation. I think Coach Saban intentionally took that dive in that Rose Bowl so that way he can get a couple extra days in recruiting to lock up Is some guys right? and get some staff members. <laughs> Boy, that's finding the silver lining. Hey, I, people tell me I'm pretty good at that, so. Yeah. Well, that's one I haven't thought of. All right, uh, Mick's going to join us in a minute, but just for a second, Wyatt, as long as uh, you are now going to be a part of the Big Noon Sports team, uh, you mentioned you're in graduate school now, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. I'm, I'm getting my graduate degree from the University of Alabama here in Tuscaloosa in, uh, in broadcast journalism and sports media, so it's going to be it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm very excited that I finally can say that I am a student at the university. Where are you from i'm from mobile county i grew up down there i grew up uh down in the 251 and then i graduated from the university of mobile in december of 22 with my bachelor's degree it was a double major in broadcast journalism and in history cool hey hey guys can you hear me hey lars how hey, you lars. doing today hey what's up been scrambling since about four o'clock this morning but uh made it um, um, how much time do we have before Mick comes on? We need to go into the break right now. That's all right. Um, you're listening to Big Moon oh. Sports. It's presented by Haley Sansing, Lars, and Wyatt, and Matt. We'll be back with you, along with Mick Gillespie, on the other side of the break.
100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of some scattered light rain this afternoon. The most widespread rain will be south of here. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high at 45. Clearing tonight, the low 29. And a dry day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Portions of Big Noon Sports are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, who is going to start coming back on with us on a regular basis. And we'll talk with her and uh, all about that moving forward. Today is January 3rd, 2024. Mick Gillespie joins us. Mick, how are you, man? Did you have a happy new year? Yeah, you know what? I'm doing all right. Uh, a little disappointed about the football game. It has felt like a funeral sure. the last couple of days. But, uh, but no, I mean, it was a good new year. It was a good new year. Do you, uh, do you know what happened 17 years ago on this exact date? Yeah, that was the day that uh, Mal Moore uh, camping out at Nick Saban's house paid off. And... Uh, the Nickinator came to Tuscaloosa. Do you ever stop and think what would happened if it had been Rich Rodriguez or if he stayed in Miami? I really don't, uh, life, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, life would be so much different. And, I mean, think about it. Rich Rodriguez is uh, coaching Jacksonville State, which I think he's – I still think he's a good coach. But, uh, but thanks, thanks to his wife, we ended up with the best football coach of all time. So give us your view, uh, maybe not going back to the, you know, the, the fourth down play or, or the picks or the runs, or the pat, whatever the case may be. Uh, anything struck you kind of post-post game? I, I'm still just trying to figure out how we couldn't figure out to snap the football. I mean, I, I've tried to go back and think about every single football team I've ever covered, even going doing games at County Highs, you know, for 10 years. I don't ever remember a season where a snap was was that hard to to accomplish, you know. And and I don't I don't know enough about what's going on down on the field to know why those guys couldn't get on the same page. But it cost them a national championship, in my view. That and I'm not just talking about the last play. I mean, think about the entire season. They got lucky to get away from a bad snap against Auburn, and then. It was there was always an excuse they never could get it figured out, you know. The rest of the stuff it just happens during the course of a football game. But you would think by the end of the season that the the snap would be something that you would that would get figured out, and it just didn't. That's what I think about when I look back at this this game. Well, are there any others? I mean, because you're right. Particularly, there were two consecutive bad snaps when Alabama was really kind of muscling, out-muscling Michigan line of scrimmage. And they had moved into Michigan territory, and then suddenly it was third and 29. And yeah, right. It is very, very difficult. Uh, and, and to me, Alabama was headed for a score, and they imploded. Yep. Yeah, no, I, and, and look, this, this was a good – these were two really evenly matched football teams. I mean um, – Michigan's defensive line, which, you know, I had heard that it was it was really good. I, you know, I've seen them on film, talked about it on the tailgate show. I, I knew that it was going to be an issue, but uh, we overcame that. I mean, like, it, it's not like the sacks 
are the reason why the, the team didn't win. I mean, it was it made it tough, you know. But Alabama did other things really well. I, I wish they would have ran the football more on first down. And but the problem was every time you got any kind of momentum running the ball, a bad snap or a sack or a false start penalty. You know this this game hurts because Alabama should have won. That this team could have been national champion. But they just didn't execute. They just didn't. They just didn't take care of the little things, and that's why we're going to be watching Michigan and, and Washington. But I still think it was. Look, this is a great job by Nick Saban. I mean, anyone that doesn't realize that that this team overachieved, um, and I know they have some good players, but this this was not. You go into the beginning of the season and you look at the talent and where replacing coordinators and getting these guys on the same page. It hurts because they got so close, but at the same time, like when you take a step back and just kind of, you know, take a deep breath at the same time, you realize um, this was a great season. And this is the best job that Nick Saban's ever done, in my opinion, and the guy's the best that's ever done it, you know? So um, just it just stinks that they didn't win. Mick, in your estimation, what was the key moment or maybe one or two or three moments uh, in the game? Well, if the game came down to fourth down and one, and uh, they didn't cover the back quorum on that little pitch play, you know, there's a little pass out of the backfield, you know, like that, that to me was the key point of the entire game, you know, because you, you stop that and you win. Um, and, and they caught a lot of breaks, uh, Michigan. I mean, think about it, you know, the, the interception at the beginning of the game and, you know, the guy, he steps out, but then he's back in, you know, they reverse that. The catch they had on that drive, which would have made it like third and long, and the guy they go back and he barely had his foot in, you know. So they they got some breaks in the game, but it comes down to if you if you cover the guy the back out of the backfield uh, on that play, and and they don't get a first down there, then uh, you win. And they, but they didn't do that, and not only did they not do it, they didn't cover the guy at all, and he got twenty five yards after a penalty, you know. So. Uh, that 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 was the key point to, to me. Defensively, um, was Michigan more equal or less than you imagined? Uh, they were pretty much what I thought. They were better in the secondary, but I knew that they're coming into it. I knew that their defensive line had um, uh, three different lines of guys that come in and they rotate a lot. I knew that they would get after the quarterback. I, I'm kind of worried that it would look like the Auburn game in some aspects, but, uh, but their secondary was better than I anticipated, you know, so they were a little bit better than I thought. I mean, uh, but I knew they were going to be good. I mean, they were the number one defense in the country. Um, I, they were motivated though. You, you know, these guys all came back to school because they embarrassed themselves so bad against TCU. And, um, you know, so they they were definitely motivated, and I feel like you know, kind of from Alabama's viewpoint, maybe we got a, a, a little bit too com- comfortable. You know, because I didn't feel like that when Alabama went in went in and took on um, Georgia. It just felt like everybody thought that Alabama was going to roll those guys. Mick, uh, when the game was over, one thought entered my mind was that the better team won. Uh, do you agree with that? think Michigan has more talent on its roster than Alabama? Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I, I Honestly, I felt like both teams were even. 
I thought the team that made the least amount of mistakes won. Uh, and I felt like that it was a, that it was a very, very even, very even. I think if these teams played 10 times, they, they'd probably split five up, five down. You know, Michigan has a lot of experience, you know, a ton of experience. They don't have as much talent, but they have a lot of experience. You know, Alabama's got a ton of talent and didn't have really a lot of guys that even played in the 2021 national championship game, you know, because they, they rotate guys out so much, you know, like JJ McCarthy's experience. Um, can you imagine if Bryce Young stuck around like McCarthy, what Alabama would look like, you know, so that, you know, obviously, um, the, the experience that they had paid off. But I mean, you're talking about a game that Alabama led with four minutes to go and, uh, was, you know, went into overtime. I, 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 I didn't, Walk, you know, I didn't walk out of there feeling like uh, Michigan, in my mind, was better. I thought they were even, but I thought Michigan made one more, you know, one more play, and that's why they won. Hey, let's talk running backs for a minute. Uh, I've asked around. He was in on the final play, but Roydell Williams had one carry for minus one yards. Uh, of course, Jace was great, scoring a couple of touchdowns, making some nice moves. But the first back they went to, other than McClellan, was my guy, a guy I've been wanting to see more of all year, and that's Justice Haynes. And he had four carries, and then we never saw from him again. So do you have any information as to why they used the certain mix that they did? And then take a minute and look at the running back room for 2024. Yeah, look, I I wondered the same thing. And, And I haven't heard that he was hurt. You know, a lot of times... You, you, you set up the running backs based on what you think that their uh, skill set and effectiveness is going to be against a certain defense. So I, I figured that was it. But uh, like I said, you know, on my post game show, um, and, and like I'll tell you guys, I, I was screaming at the television that I wanted Alabama to run the ball more on first down. Uh, and I just felt like the, the problem with the pass plays is that they weren't blocking. But the run plays were doing well. But then every time you'd get some momentum, you know, here's a bad snap. Here's a, a you know, a, a, a false start, you know. And then all of a sudden you're in a spot where you have to throw. So I, I loved watching Justice Haynes. I wish he had touched the ball more. You know, Chase did a good do- job. But they, I, I think that they they should have ran behind that defensive line, the, uh, excuse me, the offensive line, which had a lot more success than, uh, than they did pass blocking, uh, run blocking. Got another Nick. question coming up concerning the snaps. We're going to go back to that. Mick Gillespie is our guest. You can find him on YouTube, and you'll find him on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Nick Gillespie, and we've been talking, what else? Um, New Year's Day, Alabama falling in overtime to Michigan 27-20. Mick, we talked at length about uh, the trouble in the quarterback, the, the center to quarterback snaps. At what point, particularly since Alabama... This is nothing new. It happened throughout the season. And at what point do you consider just going under center? I don't know. They don't do that anymore. Um, Nobody. So I, I don't know. 
I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to, you know, what about somebody else snapping? You know, what point do you say, hey, you know what? I mean, we've been talking about this the entire season. You know, it isn't like it just popped up. They're lucky they beat Auburn at, because of a snap, but I, I don't know. I I don't know what the situation is with the roster. I'm, you know, none of us are at practice. Um, obviously, Nick Saban felt like that was the best that he had to put under center. But if if they would have had, you know, a center that could got the ball to a, a quarterback on a consistent basis, they'd be playing right now, in my opinion. Nick, you you mentioned uh, the key play being that fourth down uh, possession, fourth down play that Michigan had on its final drive of the uh, of regulation. What did you see on that play? Let's kind of break this down. How, how did Corm get so wide open? And 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 beyond that. Michigan had guys that were wide open all throughout the game. It seemed like there was a lot of confusion in the Alabama secondary. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw two guys uh, at, at linebacker that one of them should have, like, swung out and got him that did. They, they took the slot guy, the guy that came cutting in, and then he cut out and nobody covered him. Um, and, I mean, it, it, look, it happens during the course of a game. You know, this team um, – had you know some guys with experience, but also have a lot of young guys on it too. And um, Michigan did a good job of kind of exploiting them, like Auburn did. I mean, we really want to get into it, but they were good. They were, they were good enough team where they overcame all that stuff. Except that one play would have won it if they'd have stopped it. Yeah. Um, do you get? Is it your sense? Because a lot of people are saying that Jim Harbaugh outfoxed, outcoached Nick Saban because of all that pre-snap motion they did on offense, which Michigan really hadn't shown throughout the season. Are you, are you buying that, that, that Harbaugh uh, really got one over on Saban? Uh, I, I'm not. I mean, look, it, it, it came down to a couple plays and, Michigan, if we had a team full of guys that weren't in the NFL that came back to play college football, um, you know, if we didn't have the mass exodus that we have every single year uh, to the NFL, I mean, think about it. I mean, if if you had just just if Bryce Young played this year, you know, like McCarthy, where you know you stick around and play year after year in college and and not go to the NFL, I I, I don't get the sense that Nick Saban. Uh, got out coached. I mean, it, it comes down, a lot of it comes down to just executing. I mean, you know, like the last play of the game, you know, we, you know how many times are we, are we going to replay that in our heads, you know, and you look at it and it looked like a terrible play. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, the low snaps there, you know, if you execute snap and then all of a sudden maybe you throw it to the back or you, you have an option to run, you spread things out. Um, a lot, you know, things could be different, but I, I, I don't get the sense that, Nick Saban got out coached. I've 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 seen that. I've had Michigan fans come on my, you know, Bama Tailgate YouTube channel and say that. I, that's that's not what happened. I mean, it, when you play good competition, you don't always win. You know, and that's the other part of it. You know, as much as we want to, and as many games as we won, um, you don't always win. It doesn't always go your way. You know, just because. You know, Georgia, Alabama beat Georgia doesn't mean Georgia won the, won the national championship. If they were there, I think Alabama would have won it last year. Um, at least they would have beaten Georgia had they gotten a chance. You know, but sometimes you lose. And 
that that to me is where maybe we get a little bit spoiled where we forget that you know what we're playing the best of the best every week and we're competing i mean it's not like we went in there and got blown out like tcu did last year or like michigan did the two years before that this was a game that went into overtime and they they made a couple more plays than us they had the momentum in overtime but I'm really proud of, of Nick Saban and, and what he's done. And honestly, I think that, uh, that, that they did a good job. I just, uh, we, we just, we couldn't snap the ball and we put ourselves in some bad spots. But, but I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we, there, it was a game that you lost in overtime. Uh, that, that to me doesn't say that you got out coached. I mean, it's just, you just lost. Hey, moving forward, uh, Alabama's got their entire offensive line coming back. McLaughlin said he's not going to uh, go anywhere. That he's got a, um, I guess he's got a um, COVID year that he can play, and he declared yesterday he was going to do that. So, and you, of course, you got Jalen Milroe coming back, uh, running back room. While not all that experienced, is very very talented. If you pick up Ryan Williams which I think Alabama will. He is a wide receiver out of Sarah Land. You ought to know a lot about him. Um, yeah. And then you go on defense, and a lot of returners there, too, plus a number two class coming in. The future's still bright there in Tuscaloosa, don't you think? Yeah, look, experience, too. You know, experience. I mean, it, it takes going through the process of playing in, in, in big games and championship games to understand what it takes to win. And I know, look, Nick Saban's been to a ton of them. But but even when these guys, some of these guys were on the team in, in 2021, they weren't contributors. But you just mentioned it. I mean, you're talking about a lot of guys that are coming back that are contributors and, and that are a big part of, of what happened, uh, you know, on Monday and, and will be ready to go. I think, that, I think that's going to pay off a lot. This team reminded me, everybody kept saying it reminded them, of 2015 and uh you know and i do a podcast and you guys know this know this with jake coker who was the quarterback in 2015 and um you know we talked about it a lot that that year and he even kind of felt like it did to me it reminded me of 2014 the entire year you know and and the playoff game kind of played out the same way well 2015 they came back and they were and they ended up winning a national championship so I, I think that the experience of what this team's been through, uh, the fact that they stuck together, and um, you know, and, and even though they lost, they got that taste in their mouth. They know what it takes right now. They're going to be hungry and motivated. I think Milrow's going to be better off for it. The offensive line's going to be better for it. And uh, you know, the, the the hardest part about all of this, and it's been you know, it's been tough because we love Alabama so much, just as grads, you know, people that cover the team. Um, is that we have to wait until the 8A game to get football again, right? And then we got to wait all the way until next year before it starts. That's the thing that's been the worst to me because I've had a great time watching these guys this year. It's been fun to me, and I can't wait for them to get back out there again. And I'm, I think that uh, that going into the season next year, you're talking about a top-five team, uh, maybe even better, and uh, a force to be reckoned with. Mick, let's look at the other uh, national semifinal game, uh, Texas and Washington. Michael Penix plays the game of his life. Washington beats Texas. Were you surprised by that result? 
No, actually, no. It, that game played out exactly like I thought it was going to. Um, my buddy Mike Johnson uh, texted me uh, like the day before, and he's like, what do you think? And I'm I'm hot right now, I'm going to tell you, man. I, I had a terrible year betting. You guys know that. Well, the playoff, uh, the postseason's been the exact opposite. I'm like 32-10 and 10 right now. And, um, yeah, and, I, and I've got Michigan in the championship game to beat Washington. But what I thought was with that Joe Moore winning offensive line for Washington and Michael Penix Jr., who I absolutely love going back to his time uh, at Indiana and Texas's weak secondary, I thought it would be a lot like the Oklahoma game is what I told him. And I, I said, and I didn't know if they were going to win, but I knew they would cover a four-point spread. And they built the big lead, and uh, you know, and they held on to win the game. You know, I thought that one was really good. This playoff was amazing, by the way. I mean, really was like it. It, it kind of built out the way that we thought it would. Uh, but I looked for Michigan's defense to 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 really give Penix a lot of trouble. Um, uh, with that said, though, I I, I enjoyed watching uh, the way that uh, Washington was able to throw the ball around, um, and and they exploited Texas's weakness. It was just a really good matchup for, for for Washington to play Texas, and it was a really bad matchup for for uh, Texas. Now, if Alabama have had, had Alabama played Washington, they would I think they would have killed them because Alabama's got a, a strong secondary, and uh, and and I think that Alabama would have been tough for Washington to stop. And I think that's what what's going to happen on the national championship game. I just got, I think the run game is going to really neutralize their ability to touch the ball. Hey, Mick, a quick follow-up for me. The final play of Texas-Washington, it seemed like a relatively easy throw for Quinn Ewers to make if he uh, if he just throws a fastball to his wide receiver there in the front corner of the end zone. It's my belief that Quinn Ewers was hurt. Yeah, you know, he, he, he banged his head on the turf so hard and he just yeah. kind of wasn't the same player after that. And you saw him, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the, the, the video of this, but after the game, he absolutely looked bewildered and almost lost. I don't know. Can you just play out that final sequence for us and, and what your analysis of it was? What, what's the backup guy's name that transferred? Is it Malik Benson? It's Malik something, right? Yeah. Um, it's, Malik Murphy. Malik Murphy. Yeah, Malik Murphy. Um, how about transferring when your team is uh, on the doorstep of a, of a national championship? And, and to me, I mean, just a side note, because I, I saw the same thing, Lars. I think he was hurt. Um, it, it, it really is a shame where we are right now with uh, the student athletes in, in college football, uh, where, where they would transfer rather than play in a championship game. Because I think if they had him, he probably would have came in, and he actually did a really good job backing up um, yeah. this year. I think so, Sark. Uh, I think Sark said, sorry, I, I think Sark did not want to put Manning into the game no. because he hadn't been in action like that where everything matters, and you know he just played uh, like a slop time. And I, I don't think he wanted to kill his confidence. And that was just my interpretation. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to throw? <laughs> you're you're going to throw him in, a freshman that really hasn't played that much. You know, it, it, it's funny. I saw a picture from uh, the um, press conference. You know, where they well the media day that they had, and there were there were like a 
you know, a swarm of, uh, of camera and media around uh, Arch Manning and and uh, <laughs> Quinn Yours had like one guy standing there with him. <laughs> you know, it's like, like everybody's excited about Manning because of his name, but unfortunately, you know, you, he just wasn't ready to get in there and help. And I, I think you're right, man. I mean, I it it, it felt like, and you talk about uh, the that turf, man. That stuff is it's it's really hard. You and you hit your head on it, and and, and you certainly uh, can do a lot of damage there. It didn't seem like he was the same player. It would not surprise me at all if he didn't have a concussion and play that game out. We'll probably never know, but. Um. Yeah, maybe if you have your backup quarterback that played a bunch of games this season, you go to him and you win. Because I, I, I could tell that Texas was uh, Texas just ran out of time. And, and you, you know, we were talking about who the better team is. I still think Texas is a better team than Washington, but they didn't win. So that, that's where we're going right now. Washington in the championship game. Yeah. So who are you picking? I'm going Michigan. You know, I'm going Michigan. I think Michigan's going to win this championship. Um, you know, they, they, I like the way that their offensive line blocks. I like the way that they play football. You know, they're, they're going to put a bunch of guys at the line of scrimmage, hand it off to Blake Corum. JJ McCarthy makes really good decisions. He's accurate. Uh, he reminds me of Jay Barker, our friend Jay. I mean, and I said that before the game. You know, this guy's 26 and one as a starter. I mean, he knows, he knows what he's doing. You know, when Jay was quarterback, and I mean, remember how it was. Like, if he needed to throw a lot, he threw a lot. If he needed to, if he didn't need to, he didn't. And and, it, and people say, oh, he's a game manager. No, he's not. He's a winner. And that's important. You know, when it's it's a game that you're supposed to be out there trying to win. You know, I, 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 I can still hear Greg Maddox asking me one time, you know, if you if you scored five runs, how many runs do you need? Well, you, you how many can you give up? And the answer is four. But if you gave up, if you're winning by a run, then you can only give up one, right? It's all about winning, and JJ McCarthy's not losing this football game. Mick, tell everybody where they can pick you up. Hey, please check out my YouTube channel, Bama Tailgate YouTube, uh, covering Alabama every day, and then uh, with Jake Coker, Elephant in the Room, Roll Tide Pods on YouTube as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mick. Thanks, buddy. And happy New Year. And Happy New Year to all. It's the 3rd of January as we move forward on Big Noon Sports. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris. Beginning Wednesday morning on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to start making the transition from football to basketball. Bart Heights on Hoops will join us. But we're not done with football yet. We'll continue to analyze what went wrong for Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Look ahead to the 2024 season. Plus, look ahead to the college football playoff national championship game between Michigan and Washington. All that and more Wednesday morning on the Gary Harris Show. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tune in to Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Chance of some scattered light rain this afternoon. The most widespread rain will be south of here. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high at 45. Clearing tonight below 29. And a dry day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high of 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. As uh, we operate on a Wednesday, getting tired of this overcast, gray, chilly weather. But hey, you know what? I'll get over that. Lars, we were not uh, able to talk much about what happened 17 years ago today, but give it some thought here. In the meantime, let's go ahead and go to our phones, which will line up and uh, just play throughout the rest of the show. If you'd like to dial in at two zero five. Three four two nine nine zero four, and uh, let's go to Arkansas. I hadn't talked to this guy, Marty. Marty, my fellow Razor. Hey, how, how are you? I'm doing fine, guy. I'm doing fine. Yeah, I talked to him this morning. They all got on to me a little bit that we didn't win the national. I said, well, y'all hadn't won one since '64, and y'all got gave that one. So, but <laughs> the three. The, I don't know why you like the Razorbacks, but that's all right. I'm not going to go there. Only well, thing I miss about you is you know. Oh God! Only thing I miss about the uh, miss about you is your high school football in the fall. I got a question to ask you about that, but we'll we'll bring that up for a different day since you got basketball coming. I got some questions on that later on, but right now we're talking about the game. Three things on the game, okay? One. If, if Melrose don't fumble the football right there, we probably go down and score. But that's an if right there. The two that, that make the difference, we had to lead with 4.14 or four minutes to go in the game. We got the football. All we had to do was run it three times, get a first down, make Michigan use their two timeouts. If we had to punt it back to them then, they'd probably get it on about the 10 or the 15. And they only have about two minutes to go with no timeouts. That was the game right there. Not, not to play at the end or the other, the other, the other bad one was where we would have scored two was when we had the ball on the 45 and we do the bad snap and end up on, cause we would only had 10 more yards, kick a field goal, go up 23 to 13, a 10 point lead. And then they still would have had to score twice, but he, he, he does two bad snaps and it ends up third and 33 and the momentum switches right there and we punt. That's the game to me. Not all this other stuff. I mean, and, and Reese caught, you know, oh, he caught a bad game. He caught a bad game. Well, in the first half, we tried to pass. We couldn't. We couldn't get the ball to the quarterback and the time he looked down and looked up, three guys was on him and we were in a, 
first and 15, second and 15, and then they knew you were going to pass. So, I mean, he, he knew we couldn't pass no longs. We couldn't hold them. So, I mean, that... That surprised me that Michigan was able to pressure Milrow that much. And what I think they did a fantastic job is they pressured him into the middle of the pocket and thus not allowing him to get out and scramble for extra yards. So uh, I think well, they knew that they watched the game is is uh, pretty much in agreement that, uh, that the, the snaps cost Alabama, but probably just cost them the game, like you were saying. Yeah, but... I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, everyone, why didn't you put something? Well, we're not out there to practice field, and Saban knows a lot more football than I'll ever know. So, I mean, there's where, you know, he's out there every day. He knows the, he knows the players and stuff like that. But they just knew how to loop. We couldn't pick up that loop. Every time they looped around, the guy was coming free. So, I mean, there's where, I don't know. But we gave up two, like like what you said, they knew how to scheme us on the kind of on the pick plays, and we didn't move to get the right guy there, and they're wide open. Just like on the first drive, the guy didn't cover the guy, and they had a free guy out there for a fifty-six yard touchdown. And then even on the if, even if we don't stop them, if we only give them five yards in the first down, they still got a long way to go. But we gave up fifty-six and let them go all the way to the five. I mean, you know, if they still, if they only got five yards there, they're still a long way away from the touchdown and, and still have to march or, or, and, and have to score. There was not, you know, they kind of may use their timeouts. It's just a big play right there that, that cost us not stopping them. It's the big play. Cause I mean, they, they would have got two yards. They still would have had 40 hey, yards to go. Marty, Marty. Have you ever seen an Alabama team lose when they absolutely dominate special teams? Michigan just made mistake after mistake after mistake. Oh, no. Alabama oh, no. Won. And I, I just I kept thinking to myself that you can't beat Alabama when you make these uh, boneheaded uh, commit these boneheaded miscues. And yet they were able to emerge, and I, I just, uh, you know, in going through, well, the, we made uh, some, going through all the we games, made the uh, in, thing about it is we made, they made the mistakes, and we had to end up making mistakes and making two long fifty-yard field goals to score instead of continuing scoring touchdowns. I mean, even though they made the mistakes, we made the mistake there and ended up having to kick a fifty-two-yard touchdown because we had a bad snap there. So, I mean, there's where we made our mistakes, too, and they capitalized. I think all we did was capitalize on their mistakes and made field goals. Because I always say, when you make a field goal, you leave four points on the game. I know, but especially when you're in the red zone. I mean, you got to score touchdowns in the red zone, and we didn't do that. But, I mean, this game, you know, it's like like what everybody says. We've been spoiled. I've been following Alabama football since 1966 when I saw Stabler run around Tulane Stadium. So, I mean, I, I've had my national championships, and anything else is all right. And this, I'd love this. You know, you go there, like this year, you didn't know if they were going to win or lose, and it was great to be in the stand and come out of there after the Tennessee game when they, they thought they are going to lose. And then fourth and 31, and, and I don't live in Auburn, but I'd wear my shirt every day and go down to 
Montgomery and walk around downtown and just wear it. Even if I get egged and yelled at. It's like here. I'm the only, I'm not the only Alabama fan in Arkansas, but I might be the loudest when I'm at the, my, my table. Cause if y'all want to look at something, look at YouTube, rabbit Bama fan. Okay. I think that's all. And that, uh, but hey. Marty. I'm going to talk some, I'm going to talk some, happy new year to you and I'm going to talk some Alabama basketball with you. I had the schedule wrong because I thought they were playing tonight, but they don't play till Saturday. But yeah, I'm going to talk to you because, uh, so I'll call you back and talk. We'll talk some basketball, but I can't wait for right, high man. school football again on your show. You all have a good day and thanks for letting Thank me call. All right. Awesome. You Thank you so much. Um, Marty, you know, very much a regular on our post game shows. He's a uh, colorful. Yeah, character. Marty. Marty, uh, he made some really good points, um, and it remind me of a uh, some of the stuff he was saying of a Casey Stengel quote from way back when. He said, "Most ball games are lost, not won." I think that applies to Alabama. Um, there's a lot of truth to that. No question. Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter are with you. Big Noon Sports. Wyatt Fulton is at the controls. We'll be back with another hour. Steve Irvine will join us in about 15, 20 minutes. Look forward to talking some football with him and some basketball. It's time to make that transition, Lars, and that's what exactly what we're going to do. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. Bills quarterback Josh Allen downplayed the neck soreness he's been dealing with this week, saying he'll be good to go for Sunday night against the Dolphins. Allen is expected to be limited in practice today. A couple of teams in the AFC confirmed they'll be resting quarterbacks this week. Chiefs locked into the three seed. Patrick Mahomes will not play. Blaine Gabbard starts. And for the Browns locked into the five seed, Jeff Driscoll starts in place of Joe Flacco. Elsewhere, the Commanders will start Sam Howell at quarterback against the Cowboys. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson has not cleared concussion protocol, so he will not play in the finale against the Patriots. Trevor Simeon gets a start. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence is expected to practice on a limited basis today as he continues to work through a shoulder injury. He's considered day today. Jacksonville did open the practice window for receiver Christian Kirk to come off injured reserve. And Niners quarterback Brock Purdy leads all players in fan voting for the Pro Bowl games. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is big news sports. Welcome back into the program. Steve Irvine will join us in just a minute. Lars, we started the show talking about what happened 17 years ago on this very date. January 3rd, 27, 2007. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing when Nick Saban was hired at Alabama? Uh, I do not. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal and... Um, I think I was still doing mornings at jocks. That's how long ago it was. But, uh, I remember watching some of the television coverage and when he landed, uh, 
you know, he got off the uh, Alabama jet, and um, there were so many fans there. They, Alabama was just, just, they were just starving for good football again. And this woman came out of nowhere, and not, she didn't hug him. She didn't kiss him on the cheek. She just kissed him right on the mouth. You remember that video? I and do. I do. I think I, later I, on I, that I, afternoon, she was arrested for, like, DUI or something. She um, was. And, uh, so, she, 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 she died a few years ago. Oh, I think, um, yeah. yeah. Didn't uh, make fun there. Oh, no, no, no. I, and no, but she was arrested for, uh, driving under the influence later that night. But man, it, it was, uh, I, so I've written about this quite extensively and, you know, you, you have these hundreds and hundreds of Alabama fans at the tiny little terminal there at that FBO airport in Tuscaloosa. They're all looking up, gazing toward the heavens. You know, it's like they're waiting for their savior to to come. And once the savior arrives, he's absolutely treated like given a Messiah-like welcome. And, um, you know, that day was just such a whirlwind for uh, uh, Coach Saban and, and Miss Terry. But, and, and, you know, he commented to me years later that when he got the job, he was coaching at Michigan State, gets the job at LSU. When he landed in Baton Rouge, there was one guy there. <laughs> it, was the, it was the guy who was going to drive him to the athletic complex. Uh, and, and that right then and there, I mean, literally just being on the ground, the plane comes to a stop. And Coach Saban and Miss Terry look out the window. I know that they kind of looked at each other like, wow, well, this is a little different. And then, <laughs> and then um, you know, I would love to go back. And if you listen to his opening press conference and what he says, and uh, maybe we can pull this up uh, and we can play it later in the show because I think it is so relevant because he lays out his vision for what he wants Alabama football to be. And you know what? 17 years later, he did absolutely, he has done absolutely everything he said he was going to do. I mean, Matt, it is just so remarkable. And I, I've gone back and I've listened to that a uh, hundred times at least. Because again, you know, I've, I've written extensively on, on Nick Saban. And it is just remarkable, remarkable what, uh, what he said in that opening press conference. It's like you couldn't really appreciate it at the time. And, and so often in life, you don't appreciate things until they're in the rearview mirror and you have the benefit of uh, retrospection. But man, Matt, his vision that he laid out, it absolutely came to fruition. It did indeed. And, you know, two people were more than involved in this. Uh, they were a part of the decision, not necessarily Mal, but it doesn't happen without the uh, constant pursuit and patience and drive of Mal Moore. And then I, I think once that maybe he had turned the tables a little bit with Nick, Terry finished it off. And I think there there were times Saban might have uh, thought about leaving to go elsewhere, but I don't think Terry Saban was going to do it. So you always, when you think about this date 17 years ago when Alabama hired 
uh, Nick Saban, you have to include Mal and Terry. Why, Matt, why do you think it has been such a successful marriage of Nick Saban and Alabama? Now, yes, he had success at LSU. He built up uh, uh, Michigan State, but nothing like what he's achieved in Tuscaloosa. Why do you think that is? Why why has it just been an ideal fit both for coach and university? I think it goes back to, you know, even the 26 Rose Bowl and certainly back to Coach Bryant where Alabama has a very, very proud tradition, and he knew that. And he also knew that if he got in there and started winning, then things were going to fall, namely recruiting, which he puts top dog Big T's number one in all of his plans for Alabama Mm -hmm. football. And Alabama football fans embraced that and supported that. And when he started winning, then things, to a certain extent, became even easier at the University of Alabama because Alabama fans are so football savvy. They could see what the guy was doing. Did it matter at the time, and this is something I haven't explored, but did it matter at the time that Nick Saban was not sort of one of us, you know, an Alabamian? He didn't have any roots uh, connected to the Bear Bryant coaching tree, right? He he was a complete outsider. But I, I if, if just based on memory, I don't remember anybody being upset about Nick Saban being hired. But nonetheless, if you go back, and this is true with all big time programs, uh, that that you, traditionally you want a coach that has some connection to the university or some connection to its rich history, but Nick Saban didn't. Well, but Alabama fans, once again, are so football savvy. Um, he may not have been coming home to visit mama, but um, Alabama fans knew who Nick Saban was. He won a national championship, you know, at LSU. And they remember him at Michigan State, too. And then, of course, he was very noted in more negative ways than positive for his time at um, at Miami. But I think a lot of fans had a lot of trust in Mal Moore. And um, I, I maintain um, before Saban, and I said this when Mal Moore unfortunately died, that... Um, Mal Moore was the second most important man ever, person, human, in the history of Alabama football. And he was. Of course, now if you were, you know, still putting up, you know, uh, Mount, what am I talking about? Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mal would still be up there, but Nick would be there too. And, and Alabama fans are smart enough to put a lot of trust in Mal Moore. And boy, um, everybody's glad he did. And I thought, you know, as um, Robbie Glenn is texting in, um, he says, uh, fan base. I think we may have lost Matt there. Um, 
Yeah, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just reiterate that uh, uh, Seth McLaughlin just entered the transfer portal, and that comes from you, Wyatt. Uh, your reaction? Yeah, my reaction, you know, I... I hate to speak ill on anybody, but man, the, the snapping this season just, I don't know what it was. I know he was injured to start the year, and I think Kerry Clark had mentioned that yesterday as well. But it just, it seemed to have not gotten better all year. I mean, the season almost ended in Auburn. We didn't, we wouldn't have even got a chance in the Rose Bowl because the play before fourth and 31, that ball sails right by Milrow. You know, McLaughlin misses the snap count, snaps it before we're ready. So I, I wish him nothing but the best, but you know, Got to be able to snap the ball. Got to be able to create yeah. good timing. I mean, I, I certainly hope that Alabama fans treat him with respect and, and don't blame anything on him uh, because yeah. it's a it's a four quarter game, a lot of plays, and um, you know he, he's a young man uh, trying to do his best, and and uh, I, I hope it wasn't because of sort of uh, people who were being highly critical of him, which is causing him to transfer because it could have been a wonderful redemption story if he had decided to stay, come back for his final year and have a tremendous year and help Alabama, you know, get back to the top of the mountain. But I certainly could understand why uh, he would want a change of scenery. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into this more on, on the other side, Wyatt, but, uh, and, and we're going to be speaking with, uh, Steve Irvine, just a terrific sports writer based here in Alabama. And we're still going to dig deep into the Alabama Michigan game. What happened? What went wrong? Why did it go wrong? We're going to talk to Steve Irvine coming up next. Go listen to Big Noon Sports. I'm attorney Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230. 
1037 Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Chance of some scattered light rain this afternoon. The most widespread rain will be south of here. Otherwise mostly cloudy with a high at 45. Clearing tonight the low 29. And a dry day tomorrow. Partly to mostly sunny with a high of 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. From Magic City Impact, UAB Collective site. We're joined by Steve Irvine. Steve, did you have a good new year? I did, I did, yeah. Just uh, very relaxing. You know, my old age, it's, it's pretty relaxing, so I just kind of relaxed. Well... Uh, I hope it was a good one. You know where we're going to start here, and any new flavor you can throw at us here concerning the Alabama-Michigan game is welcome because uh, we've done the bad snaps. We've done the fourth down. Just uh, a couple of views from Steve Irvine as to what happened in the overtime win for Michigan. Well, boy, that's, there's a lot of layers to that. Like, like you just said, you covered a bunch of it. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just think it was a um, – Michigan found a way to win, you know. I mean, and, and that's that's something that Alabama's been doing all year long, and and uh, you know, finding that way to win, and you know, this this time that uh, went the other way, and you know, and sometimes, and you know, Washington's kind of in the same boat as this is. Sometimes when when it seems like week after week you're you're having to find a way to win, you just feel like at some point at the wrong time it's going to bite you a little bit, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, you know, the other night, uh, that or the other day, you know, in the Rose Bowl, and and so, you know, just one of those things. You know, uh, uh, I think you got to give Michigan a lot of credit for, you know, the, the drive to, the, to tie the game and then you know making plays in the overtime. To you know, you just got to sometimes you just got to tip your cap and and then go back and try to figure out what you could do better. And one thing you can do better is <laughs> snap the ball. You know, I mean that, that. I mean that. You know, like you say, you covered that, but. That's such a basic thing that, uh, but you know, it can, it can, it bites you, you know, if, if, if time after time. And, you know, you, you go back to that's been going on all year, you know, and, and, you know, I just think back to that Michigan, I mean, that Texas game. And, I mean, I, I don't know how many times there were bad snaps in that game. I mean, it seemed like it, it seemed like a dozen, but it's probably a little, it's probably less than that, but it seemed like a dozen. And so, you know, that, eventually that, that bites you. Well, it certainly did, and it it just baffles many as to how that was a season-long issue, um, and nobody else was moved to that slot. And I, I guess nobody gives any thought to going up under center anymore, do they, Steve? No, no, that's, you know, very few, you know, very, very few. And, and you know, who knows if, if they would have been capable of doing that. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Obviously, what you do is if, if, if you do it the one way, if you're doing the shotgun way, then – you know, maybe you feel like you can't do it the other way. I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I don't know what, you know, and I feel bad for the kid. I mean, you know, they're not, he's not trying to, to snap the ball bad, you know, and, uh, but it just, it's just, again, it's one of those basic things that if it, it, it turns into a big thing, if you can't get it fixed. Oh, um, did I just read and why I'm going to depend on you back at our production studios, but did I just see? That Seth McLaughlin, who said yesterday he was coming back for his COVID senior year, 
Wyatt, has Seth now entered the transfer portal? Is that what you understand? He did. Seth has, Seth has officially entered the transfer portal. I believe the account yesterday was proven to be a fake one. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, yeah, I, I felt I felt like it was. It had like they had like ninety followers or something like that in the in the one from yesterday, and that, that could have been Seth Glass's you know real account. And um, yeah, but but he has entered the, the you know, and I, I I can understand that. I mean, it's it's a uh, that's a hard situation, you know, and and uh, you know, and you hate it. I mean, I hate it. I mean, you know what's funny about this is is when I'm watching that game, and I don't care who wins or loses, I really don't. I was just watching the game. But before that play, I, I, I was thinking to myself, please don't let this be a bad snap. You know, if they're going to stop them, stop them. You know, but, but I mean, honestly, I was sitting there thinking, like, please don't let this be a bad snap because I knew that, that that would be kind of the rhetoric afterwards, you know, which it has to be. I mean, I understand it. But, um, you know, as it turned out, it was, and, and now we're sitting here. What do you think about the season overall under Nick Saban? I mean, I I, I think that uh, you know a lot of people have said it's one of his best jobs coaching, and and I I, I believe it. I mean, I I do think there, there's two, I look at it two ways. I look at it one way, and I think I think that that there was it was a great coaching job. It was you know to get through it, but the, but the other thing that I sort of look at is a lot of these problems never really got fixed. You know, they, you, you sort of overlook, you know, I mean, the the offensive line was struggling early in the year, and it seemed like, you know, it seemed like it might have got fixed a little bit. But then in the biggest game of the year, you know, you, you end up giving up six sacks, you know, and a lot of that I think was communication, some stuff. And, and a lot of that was Michigan was pretty darn good up front. I mean, you can't lose sight of that. Sometimes you – you, you, you try to spend too much time thinking about what went wrong without looking at the other side and going, hey, they just made some plays and they just made they're pretty good. And uh, but but I, I do, do think there were some areas that didn't didn't really get fixed. You know, and maybe they got a band aid during the year a little bit, and 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 but you know when it came down to it, they didn't they didn't get fixed. And maybe there were areas that couldn't get fixed. I don't know. You know, I mean, we're not there every day. We're not in the meetings. We're not. You know, we don't know what's you know what really goes on in there. So. Uh, that's you know that's kind of the way I look at. It. But I mean, I, t- to me, you can't look at the season and say it's a failure. I mean, because I, I think that uh, for where they started and what happened early in the year and where they ended up was was you got to give them a lot of credit. Well, and Saban was quick to point out in his post game, um, post Rose Bowl game news conference that it had been an amazing season. I think he really, really liked this team. And he certainly, yeah. like everybody else, would like to carry them forward. But one of those problems that just never seemed to really get fixed that I thought was fixed was um, left tactile. Uh, Proctor. Uh, yeah. But man, he got chewed up by Michigan. So he did. Yeah, those he, little he did. mistakes, the, the little, the little uh, false starts, you know. Uh, the bad snaps and then uh, the left tackle getting beat. Uh, those problems, I guess, we saw against Michigan never really went away. Yeah, they did. And, and I do think as part of it, I mean, I do think you have to look, you know, yeah, I mean, you have to look at, you have to look in the mirror and you have to look at, you know, everything that happened. And I do think there was some, Tommy Reese, I, I, I didn't think had a great game. And, you know, I, I thought there were some things that he could have taken advantage of. You know, I mean, you look at what, uh, Justice Haynes and I mean the running game I think had a chance to really be good I really do and and I don't know that they ever really fully let it be good on on 
you know, in that game. Uh, you know, and again, it's hard to sit here. It's easy to sit here and say, hey, you should have done that. You could have done this, you know, that kind of thing. When you're not actually the one actually trying to do it, you don't figure it out, you know, in, 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 in a few seconds, you know, that type of thing. But, but I, I do think that they didn't let their running game really get fully going. And I think that there was a possibility that it could in that game. And, and so I think there's a lot of it. I mean, I don't think it's just, I mean, I, I think, you, I think it's a, a lot of layers, you know, and I think you have to, uh, again, you have to self evaluate and say, you know, what, what could I have done better? And, and, uh, you know, I think that's what, you know, I'm sure that's what they'll do moving forward. It's not going to bring anything back, but I think moving forward, you got to do that. Steve Irvine is, is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Here's a question maybe you hadn't gotten yet. Of uh-huh. the two quarterbacks, Jalen Milrow and J.J. McCarthy, who is more likely to have a successful NFL career? Oh, boy. Um, that one's loaded, isn't it? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I, that's, that's a tough one because I, I – Boy, that's a tough. I, I I think I mean right now I would have to say JJ uh, McCarthy because I just think he's a little more polished or you know he's more polished right now. But I think the upside of Jalen Milrow is pretty darn good, you know, because I, I think that where he's where he's developed from day one of this season till today or till you know till the till the Michigan game is amazing, you know. And, I mean, it really is from where where he came from. So. The upside of him, if he keeps developing that way, then you know maybe I would say him eventually. But right now, I would I think I would go with McCarthy. It's tough. I mean, that's a tough one. But I think I'd go with McCarthy uh, with uh, JJ. I just don't know uh, if if JJ's kind of reached his plateau, and I think that uh, maybe Jalen Milrow just has a lot more upside, a lot more room to grow. Um, but that we will find out. Now, moving forward. Take a look at the uh, at well. What I really like to do. Let's talk about Texas and Washington first. Was that result a surprise to you? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, a, a little bit. I I didn't think that. Um, I, I I like Washington. I've liked Washington all year long. But but I didn't think that Texas played particularly well. And uh, you know, part of that was because of Washington. I think, but. Uh, yeah, I was surprised a little bit, but but I tell you what, when you have a great quarterback like that playing at the level he's playing, and, and you have the receivers he have has, you know, and you're used to winning games like that, you're used to the, you know, you're not bothered by those situations. You know, maybe maybe I should evaluate it, or maybe we all should evaluate it different going in. Steve, can you hang for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. All right, would you tell everybody a little bit about uh, Magic City Impact? Yeah, Magic City Impact. We're at magiccityimpact.com. Just, uh, we're, uh, just tell the UAB story for, you know, for the, for the NIL arm of, of, of UAB trying to, uh, you know, raise money for these, for the players and with the NIL. But we just tell, uh, tell the story, have a good time doing it, and we'd love to have you guys, uh, join us. Steve Irvine, our guest on Big Noon Sports, presented by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker, back in just a moment. Lord, I'm- sports Talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Steve Irvine. Steve, looking ahead 
just a few days now to Monday night in Houston. You got Michigan, and by the way, CFP committee got it right. I mean, it's number one versus number two. You got Michigan and Washington. You got any early thoughts on that game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my 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 first early thought being a you know being a West Coast, having my time on the West Coast. I wish this one was played in the Rose Bowl instead of uh, <laughs> the other one, even though it was a great experience. But, but you know, that's like a traditional Rose. In fact, I've seen this this. Uh, this game in the Rose Bowl before. I've actually been there watching them play this game. But you know, I, I think that early on, just, you know, when just looking at it right now, I, I do think that I would, you know, Michigan has an advantage. And I, I don't like the way that they, that Washington really matches up with, with Michigan's strengths right now. But, uh, but again, I, you know, I go back to, you know, you just got to go back to, Michael Penix Jr. has had such a wonderful year and and couple of years and and really college career and you know as hot as he is and and the the plays he makes I mean it's hard it's sometimes hard to look at that and go hey you know and say hey he's not going to find a way to win this game uh, but I do think in this case I, I just don't really like the way they match up totally against them I think that. Um, you know, with the with the I think with the injury to the running back for for Washington, that's going to hurt because that sort of takes away any of that, uh, or takes away a lot of that. Uh, you know, I don't know if moving forward what's going to happen with him, but I just I, I don't know. I think Michigan ends up winning it just by playing Big Ten football a little bit, and uh, but I, I do think it's going to be a great game, and 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 I am really excited to see it, and and I hate to say this on you know and uh, being. <laughs> with my feet here in Alabama, but I think it's kind of cool that there's not an SEC team involved. I really do. I mean, just for, for, for the sport, I mean, for college football. Not that I, I, I like the SEC. I'm fine with it. If there had been two SEC teams, I'd have watched it and been fine with it. But it's kind of, I don't know, I think for the sport it's kind of cool to see, you know, a couple other conferences in there. Steve, you spent a lot of time on the West Coast in your career. Um mm-hmm. You're very familiar with the Rose Bowl. Kirk Herbstreet has come out, and Kirk obviously has one of the most powerful voices in all of college football. He's advocating for the national championship game to be played each year in the Rose Bowl, even though it is somewhat dilapidated and outdated. Would you favor that? And and again, you are someone who's speaking from experience because you've lived out there. You know, and I, 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 I wouldn't. And I say that, I say that as, as somebody who absolutely loves a Rose Bowl. I mean, loves it. I mean, that to me, that's my sporting life. The, the, my highlights are the Rose Bowl. I mean, I, I remember going in 1973 with my father, you know, and watching USC beat Ohio State with Sam Bam coming to Cunningham. And I mean, I really love the Rose Bowl. I mean, got a deep love for the Rose Bowl, but. I don't, I, I, and I understand where Kirk Hersey is coming, is coming from, and, and, and part of me does agree with it, but overall, I just think that it's, it's, you just can't put it, it's so, it's so far to get out there, and it's just, it's, it's, it, the Rose Bowl itself is, I love it, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I know you do, and, but it, 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 it isn't the greatest, you know, there, it doesn't have the bells and whistles that, that, you know, the, the newer stadiums have, and I think a lot of people, that's important to a lot of people. Uh, so, I, I, I don't think that, that that it should be your your I, and I understand as, as a historian and that type of stuff. I think it would be wonderful, but I just think ultimately it's you know there's just people want the bells and whistles and things. And I, I, I don't mean that it shouldn't be in the rotation, 
but I think it should be in the rotation and that it should go different places. Uh, ditto. Uh, since you're very familiar with it, uh, I've never been, but people, Alabama fans that oh. I've talked to said it's, it's kind of archaic in the way you get concessions and uh, way you have to get to the restrooms and so forth. Is, is that true? Oh, absolutely. And it's been like that forever. I mean, you, you know, you, you go in, you go into the seats through these little tunnels and the tunnels are just packed. I mean, you know, you just, you're just packed in there and you sort of just make your way and, and, you know, and, and you have to make your way in and out to, to go to the bathroom and concession stands to, uh, to get to them. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, that part of it is, uh, and the seats are small. I mean, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of things about the, about the Rose Bowl that are, are difficult, but I don't know. There's just something, you just feel special and the traffic getting in and out is brutal, but you just feel, it's just, you just feel special when you're sitting in there, especially on New Year's Day. I mean, I've been to it a lot. You know, I've been to UCLA games there and different things. And, and, and even then you feel it's kind of cool being there, but you know, the Rose Bowl game itself is just, to me, it's like no other. But the stadium's not, you know, the stadium's old and, and it's difficult. And, and I can see how people that have never been there before, particularly, or the first time being there, I can see how you would, you sort of think like, what, well, wait a minute, this is what, what they're talking about. But, you know, then you see, you know, with the mountains there and, and the sun coming down, the weather's great. I, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful day, but the stadium, it does leave a little bit to be lacking. Yeah, uh, clearly it, it, there, it needs to be renovated. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not, but, um, going back to Alabama and Michigan, what surprised you most about this game? Um, I tell you one thing that surprised me, uh, you know, I, I thought that, that for the, for a lot of the game, I felt like Michigan was the most physical team. And, uh, and, and I know they build themselves off being physical and that type of thing, but you don't see that a whole lot in, you know, in, in Alabama games. I don't, I don't think you do. I mean, I think that, you know, usually Alabama's the most physical team out there. And I, you know, I thought, I felt like there was, Stages during that game where Michigan really dominated physically, and now I, I do think that there was times where where Alabama matched them physically. But I, I, I that was the one thing that really kind of jumped out, out, out to me, uh, you know, in, in, in the game. Let me uh, close out with you, Steve, and t- and talk about what happens past weekend in Nashville, and that's Auburn just getting absolutely manhandled by Maryland. I was set to give uh, Hugh Freeze a solid B plus, you know that including New Mexico State. That one mm-hmm. set me back. You? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did, and there were there were some there were some some glimpses of things that had happened, you know, during the season and even late in the season that you think like, okay, well, you can build off this, and you didn't see any of those uh, in in that game, and, and I, I am hesitant. In this day and age, with with the uh, you know opt outs and whether whether guys even want to play and that kind of stuff, to really to try to you know gauge too much too big of a reaction off a bowl game, uh, I really am. But it, it was alarming. You know, I tell you the one thing to me that I liked and and it meant nothing to the game and it meant you know, but to see what Hank Brown did in his going out in his chance to play quarterback because. He's a guy, you know, because they still got they've got a lot of quarterback issues, 
I don't, I don't care what they say about, you know, whether Peyton Thorne's going to be the guy moving forward. But he was a guy who's just totally forgotten in this thing. And I don't, he might still be forgotten. I don't know. But to see that way he reacted in his first chance to play, you know, I think you've got to like that. In fact, he, it was really the first time that I've heard, well, not the first time, but the first time recently I've heard Hugh Freeze even mention his name when talking about quarterback future, you know, or at least immediate quarterback next year. And, uh, so I think that that's one positive thing that came out to me was that this guy showed that, you know, maybe he could be involved in this, uh, in the mix at least. And so that's the only thing to me that you could kind of look at it as an Auburn person and say, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little bright spot. Other than that, it was an ugly day. Hey, Steve, can you uh, just real quick give us an update on uh, UAB basketball and also just what the national picture looks like now uh, in the world of college basketball as uh, those of us in Alabama now shift our attention from football <laughs> to hoops? Yeah, well, U- UAB's playing well. You know, they, they've had they had a rough, uh, not a rough, I mean, they had a, like a roller coaster type uh, non-conference, which... You know, he scheduled pretty hard for for that for their level and, and, and kinda expected it a little bit, but they won five in a row last night. They found a way to win, you know, last night at, at UTSA, which is has been a tough place to play for them but just because you know, playing a little high school like Jim and it's hard to kinda get up for that game. But they they won, you know, but a kid named Buddy Johnson from Huntsville in a last second fifteen footer to win it and uh, you know, really really played well at the end there. But uh and they're, they're coming on. I tell you what, they've got a kid, Yaxel Lindeborg, that, that a lot of people don't or nobody, you know. Most people don't know about that is, is special. This this kid, he's he played eleven high school, a total of eleven high school basketball games as a senior last semester of his senior year, and then spent you know three years in junior college, one, one of them being a COVID, and, and so nobody really knows about him. He's six nine. Really a special kid. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be fun to watch over the, over the years. And, uh, and so, you know, they're, um, they're playing well. I, I tell you one thing, you know, I guess national pitcher, we'll, we'll stick with the SEC. SEC is going to be fun now. I mean, you, you look at, and, and I don't know that a lot of these schools push themselves enough during a non-conference. You know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm looking at South Carolina. I think Ole Miss did a little bit, uh, but you know, we, there's a lot of quality for for to me. It looks like a pretty quality conference for season Auburn, you know. And so that I think this SEC is going to be fun to watch. And I think that we still haven't figured out who the teams, the, you know, who the team to beat is and nationally. I think this is going to be one of those years where you go into the tournament and there's going to be four, five, six teams where you go, hey, this might be the best team. So. I think it's going to be a fun, uh, you know, fun to watch for the rest of the way. You speak of Lindenborg, um, last night, UAB on the road at UTSA, they went 78 to 76. He had 23 points and 15 rebounds. I don't care <laughs> yeah. what league you're playing in. Those are numbers. Well, he said he had five three pointers. Matt, he had five three pointers. They didn't even know he could shoot a three. They, they really didn't. He, in three, in three JUCO years, he was, he was, 12 of 31 uh, for the three-point. In three years, in 78 JUCO games, he made 12 three-pointers. And he had one, he was one for nine this year going into last night, and last night he was wow. five of six. I mean, that's, you know, that's what kind of what I'm talking about with him. He, he's just so, he's so fresh into the game. He hadn't played that much that, that he's like a, 
you know, like a newborn colt or something. I mean, and, and this, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I think we better get this uh, Magic City Impact going because I think that by the end of this year, there's going to be some NIL people coming after him, some bigger programs coming after him because he's, he's, he's going to be that, he is that special and he's just getting better, you know, day by day. Thank you, Steve. Happy New Year to you and your family. I appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. Absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. Thank you to Steve Irvine from MagicCityImpact.com. And Lars and I, myself, along with Wyatt, will be back. And we'll play a little uh, of what happened 17 years ago on this very day. Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. All right, we're going to continue our coverage on Tuesday afternoon. We're going to recap Alabama-Michigan. It'll all be presented by Taco Casa, Chicken Salad Chick, Blue Spring Living Water, DanielMoreArt.com, Remax of Gulf Shores with Chuck Norwood, Good Works Fabrication, all starting at 2 o'clock here on The Game on Tide 100.9-1230. WTBC, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa, the game with Ryan Fowler, weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Football. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 23037. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of some scattered light rain this afternoon. The most widespread rain will be south of here. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high of 45. Clearing tonight, the low 29. And a dry day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high of 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. We've talked often during this Wednesday edition of Big Noon Sports about what happened 17 years ago today, January 3rd. 2007. Nick Saban took the job at Alabama, and this is what he said as he approached the podium for the first time in Tuscaloosa. Positively affect your teammates every day in the choices and decisions that you make. And then the last one was be a champion. Now, this team did that, and they did what? Won the national championship, and I think that's the kind of process that I think you, you can expect from us in terms of how we approach what we do. We're not going to talk about what we're going to accomplish. We're going to talk about how we're going to do it. Now, what kind of football team that we want to, do we want to have here? You know, we want to be a big, physical, aggressive football team that is relentless 
in the competitive spirit that we go out and play with week in and week out. And what I would like for every football team to do that we play is to sit there and say, I hate playing against these guys. I hate playing them. Their effort, their toughness, their relentless resiliency to go out every play and focus and play the next play and compete in a game for 60 minutes in the game, I can't handle. Can't handle. That's the kind of football team we want. Now, that takes a lot of conditioning. takes a lot of preparation. And it takes a mindset that you're going to play for 60 minutes in the game regardless of what the scoreboard says. And you're going to compete that way throughout the game. That's incredible stuff. But should it surprise you based on what's happened 17 years later? Because um, he could have said the very same thing. In fact, some of his players said that very same thing in SEC media days. But there are two words in there that you hear him say often. What's the first one? Process. And then also, not as often, he used the word relentless. And I love what he says about we don't want other teams. We want them to hate playing us. Good stuff. Really good stuff, and, and thanks to our producer Wyatt for uh, for tracking that. Um, okay, one, you can hear the intensity in his voice, and that he intensity like he wants to play that afternoon. That intensity has not waned seventeen years later. It's incredible. Two, they want to. T- he wants his team to be feared by other teams, Matt. You and I have stood on the sideline before games and we have watched an opposing team come out onto the field for the first time and then they see the Alabama players for the first time. And you and I have seen the reaction of those young men. It is just like you can tell by their face, by their mannerisms. They're like, oh, my God, they are so big they are so athletic. They are so fast. <laughs> and that is part of the Saban sort of Alabama mystique is that Alabama wins so many games before kickoff has even transpired because they are so intimidating. And that goes back to when Nick Saban was on the plane with Mal Moore coming from South Florida up to Tuscaloosa for the first time after Mal Moore had cast his uh, southern charms on uh, really Miss Terry, but a little bit on Nick Saban. They're on the plane, and and Nick turns to Mal and said, I don't know what kind of coach I'm going to be, but I can recruit better than anyone in the country. So just give me all the resources I need to recruit. What did Mal Moore do? He gave Nick Saban anything he wanted when it came to recruiting. And as we have said so many times on this show, Matt, one of Nick Saban's pet phrases is, it's not the jockey, it's the horses. Meaning it's not the coaches, it's the players. You got to have the players. Nobody in the country over the last 17 years, and it's not even close not even close if you measure it out over the 17 years has been better at getting the players than Nick Saban and the result shows in the win-loss column I'll add one more thing uh, about watching Alabama in pregame and the other team's observation 
they see the size, they see the strength, they see the speed. But there's another that's not so obvious to us, maybe, but to the other team. I don't know. I see it, too. But there's an Alabama swagger, too. And Nick Saban, as you could tell in the nature of his voice just then in his initial news conference, he has the swagger, too. He's going to take a stick and beat you, you know. And that's not always just physical. Often you can intimidate just by the way you're walking. And Alabama has the saving wall. Absolutely. You know, for Christmas, I gave uh, Gordy, uh, who's uh, my stepfather, married to my mom, I gave him an Alabama sweatshirt. And, you know, I'm not an Alabama guy. I'm Nebraska, but I, I, I truly I appreciate Alabama. I work at Alabama. Uh, I, I, I love the school. But when I gave it to him, I wasn't even thinking. I gave it to him and I said, put this on and you can feel what it's like to be a winner. And that is what Nick Saban has done. It's like I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I just said that. Where's his team? He's Wisconsin. Oh. He's a Badger. Go Badgers. Badger. Uh, yeah. That's no, where I mean, Alabama's playing this fall. That, yep. Yep. Pretty cool. Can't it's going to be a really cool environment, man. I, I can't wait for that game. I know it's in September. We're nine months away. But what what a classic college football matchup that will be. Lars, I'm going to wrap it up with just a couple of topics. Obviously, we know where we are focusing that I think are cool. Bo Nix is going to play in the Senior Bowl. I like that. Gene Chizik was fired second time as defensive coordinator under Matt Brown, North Carolina. But here's the coolest one, all right? And you'll love this because I know how much you love Bernie Williams. What an outstanding center fielder for the New York Yankees. And when you say that, think of the other center fielders I'm talking about. But... He is now going to perform with the New York Philharmonic as a classic guitarist. I didn't know that. He was, uh, he's been playing classic guitar since he was seven. I think that's cool. That's really cool. He's one of my all time favorite Yankees. All right. We got Brando tomorrow. We got Brando 115 tomorrow. And also, uh, Alabama broadcaster Roger Hoover will join us. So thank you, folks. Uh, stay warm the rest of the day. We'll see you in 22 hours. Tune in to Tide 100.0. 